You are listening to the Life Technician Podcast with Sammy Rangel, who went from disaster to master and is now changing lives by changing minds. Follow him at SammyRangel.com. Here is your host, the life technician himself, Sammy Rangel. Carl Jung said, Most of us don't find God because we don't look low enough. What if I were to suggest that the biggest changes come at the smallest levels? I know you're thinking, that doesn't make any sense. For those of us who need to make a change in our lives, we probably have a lot going on that needs to be addressed. And for some of us, that is enough of a reason for us to not even bother trying to make any changes because we feel like there's just so much to do. But if we won't even make the type of change we need to at the smallest levels, we're never going to do it at the highest levels. We're never going to tackle those really big issues. Now, if you look at finance, we've heard this quite a bit in the finance world that for those of us struggling to get out of debt, start paying off your small bills. In many ways, the most important part of paying off your small bills is to build up confidence and esteem about the process that you're about to take on at a much higher level when you start addressing those bigger issues, those bigger financial debts, those bills, those debits, those negatives. But why is it that so many of us won't tackle change? I'm going to say that as a society, we're overdosed on arrogance. And so are we, quite honestly. It's an innate trait. It's human nature. I've said this before and I'll say it again. We talk about egos as if they're so big to describe men and women who perhaps walk around arrogant. I'm going to make the suggestion that it's not about a big ego that prevents someone from being humble, mild, kind, express humility, take on constructive guidance. It's really a fragile ego, a small ego, meaning that it doesn't take much to shake the whole foundation of the ego. Strong egos can take small attacks as well as big attacks and stride and move forward. When you think about it, the toxic society traits of socializing masculinity in men, we don't allow certain expressions within the framework of what we think is the identity of a man without deep shame and humiliation if they show traits that we have deemed as a society as not being masculine. So we start suppressing, hiding, overcompensating, things of that nature. We are designed in many ways as a human race to walk uphill, but most of us are trying to take the easier path and only go downhill. So we're even fighting our basic nature to express ourselves, to improve ourselves, to take the course and path that is not of least resistance. And when we do those things, we deny ourselves the possibilities of 
forever expanding possibilities. But let's go back to the beginning. I'm suggesting that as a result of being overdosed on arrogance, ego, on image, and I'm going to come back to that concept of image, most of what I'm going to talk about revolves around that. But when you think about the consequences of living as such, keep in mind that a part of the root problem of that is that when it comes to improving ourselves, we are even willing to acknowledge the tiniest of things that need to be done to correct our actions, our beliefs, our moods, our approach to life, etc. Now, when we can't even admit the smallest of flaws or the smallest of shortcomings or failures that we need to work on, where does that leave us? We'll pin that and we're going to go over to this idea that we create images of ourselves. We recreate ourselves through a persona or through an image of some sort. And sometimes we do that because we think we're protecting others from certain aspects of ourselves. And at other times we're doing it to cover up our own inadequacies whether it's from looking in the mirror or from others and hoping they don't see our inadequacies. This isn't to suppose that we shouldn't create these identities throughout our lives. I think it's a natural part of life. It's a natural part of our development. The problem is that if that's all we ever do throughout the whole entire course of our lives, then we never achieve true authenticity. I think it's only natural to go through your development of childhood, adolescence, being a teenager, being a young adult, middle-aged, you know, you start to hit that peak where you realize you have a few summers left, maybe less than you had before. At some point, the authentic part of you is supposed to come out and you interact with others in that authentic way and they get to know you, including your vulnerabilities, right? But because we develop these personas, these false images of ourselves, and then we project those in the world, we are often feeling disconnected from the world around us and everyone in it. We don't connect. And what's unfair about this to the people around us is that they're walking around us thinking they're interacting with who we really are, not realizing that they've only got our stand-in. I remember prior to my divorce, my wife at that time, now my ex-wife, mentioned one day, she said something very simple. She said, uh, I was, she was making a comment in reference to me saying that I was experiencing some sort of fear about something. And it must have been a one-off because she said, oh, I didn't think you had any fears. And she said that in the most genuine way, at least I believe so. And immediately my feelings were hurt because if that's what she truly thought as she watched me navigate our lives up until that point, and mind you, I got married a year after prison. I became a stepfather. I was not in any way, shape or form prepared for either of those roles but I presented myself in what I thought was a genuine way, but it was I was a newborn. So how much, how much self-awareness, personal insight did I really have? I was still just, you know, kind of recovering from taking ownership of my new life, but also still in the throes of surrendering my old one to that new life, right? I had a lot to figure out at this point. 
and I should not have done either. But that's all in hindsight. I At that point, I was living life thinking I was way more aware of myself than I actually was. But I was still doing phenomenal. Fast forward to today. Why did she say that? Well, maybe I still had this residual stuff left over from my old life where I learned that it was a deadly mistake to show vulnerability, to show ignorance. And so we walk through life believing that we have no weaknesses and that to show a weakness was a fatal flaw, literally. It could have also been the fact that even in my new life, the socialization for male toxicity is still very strong. There was some sort of honor in being a workaholic. And of course, just because I had changed didn't mean that the patriarchal upbringing that I was still taking on wasn't in effect either. In that same marriage, I was also told at one point that I couldn't parent like a gang leader, right? I'm still shedding so much. And I'm sure ego was still a factor because as we know, ego is often unconscious, right? It's also, it's often subconscious. It's buried deep, oftentimes outside of our awareness. Now, let's get back to this persona. We try to mask the parts of ourselves that we can't stand, that we're afraid to let out, to let it be seen. And who knows why? I mean, maybe we're afraid that people won't approve of us, accept us, like us, still hang out with us, leave us, talk about us. And as we go along engaging with people through these personas, we are often feeling empty inside because there is no true relationship established. And then oftentimes the people around us can often feel like there's something missing from the relationship because typically it's one-sided. That shell of your personality has no depth. And it's very fragile. Remember what I said about egos earlier? Small. It's not very deep. Extremely fragile. And then we wonder why we're sad and lonely and depressed. Because there's no real connection. But, ironically, even deeper than that, we're dying to have that connection. We're craving for that connection. And we get stuck in this cycle of looking for that connection to satisfy that craving by displaying other versions of a false self. And we're living even at a much baser level, constantly in fear of what we know is impending failure in the future. We're just waiting for the tide to come back in. And at some point, typically through intervention or typically by being introduced into the unknown, we will have to leave that persona behind one day whether it's a lie or not. I do think there is another facet to this persona. And again, I want to clarify, personas in and of themselves are not bad and neither is the creation of those personas. They become outdated and the strategy that we're using to engage with all of those around us and the world we live in, we use it well beyond its usefulness. You're supposed to be experimenting with all of these things. But remember, an experiment isn't supposed to be the way of life. 
It's a short periodic burst of energy given and concentrated a particular thing, trying to figure out how to perfect it. And it's from perfecting those things that we create. What are our virtues? What are our true sense of self? What do we really believe in? Do we lean left? Do we lean right? Am I for animals? Am I vegan? Whatever it may be. What, where does that true part of you come from? We say be true to yourselves. But if you're living in a persona, that's impossible. Now, the other fatal flaw of that is that we have a very base tendency to only want to see the faults in everyone but ourselves. You are listening to the Life Technician Podcast with Sammy Rangel. He is changing lives by changing minds. This is where we get stuck because the persona, in in our opinion, is perfect, right? And so we realize that everyone else has flaws, but we don't see them in ourselves. We only see them in others, leaving us to feel safe with the thoughts that I don't need to work on anything. I don't need to change anything. I don't need to improve anything. Everyone else does, including the world including God or whatever you might believe in. So where does this leave us? If our arrogance and our egos are too small and too fragile, too tiny to accept the fact that we need to make some changes, we become unwilling to even make the tiniest changes. We become unwilling to give it a full effort. And at the first sight of any sort of failure or too much cost associated with this change, whether it be emotional, physical, financial, whatever it may be, we're out. We just drop it and we don't go back. But because of that arrogance and that ego, we are unwilling to even make the tiniest of changes. But what if I were to say that, going to the very top of this conversation, it's through the tiniest of changes that you will find maximum success, all the way up to the largest challenges in your life that you must take on, whatever those may be. Now, Having said all of that, my recommendation is to spend some time meditating, whatever you call that, reflecting, thinking about what are some of the tiniest changes you could make, that you would be willing to make, that you would fix if you decided to. Making those changes in our life at the smallest micro levels. Instead of overdosing, we can microdose the change, build our confidence, build our esteem, And little by little, allow others to reacquaint themselves with us in a more meaningful way. In many ways, you take the relationship to the next level because as you continue to become more genuine, more authentic, less of a need for your persona, less of a need for that false image, less fear of showing a fatal flaw, only to find out it's just a flaw and pretty common at that. You won't be alone in the world once you express that to someone. Come up with a fear and then try to find out if you're the only one in the world with that fear. But remember in that old life, that fear was that you were the only one like that and as such would be rejected from humanity. Our biggest fear is what I call total disintegration. That we you know, are turned into nothing, into this nothingness, this dust of nothingness. And so we think that by creating these personas, we cover up our shortcomings, therefore avoiding nothingness. But yet remember, one of the consequences of living this way throughout your life for the entire span of your life often leaves you feeling like you have nothing. 
This might explain why so many of our relationships fail. <laughs> and not only do they fail, leave it in the comments. Not only do they fail, they tend to fail in the same way, in the same style, with the same type of person over and over and over again. It's like we keep dating the same person, but that person is attracted to the persona, not to you. And so the persona has these flaws, these fatal flaws built into it that keeps attracting the same kind of metal attracted to your magnet. But when you become authentic, it changes what you attract. Imagine that. If we're dating our moms or we're dating our dads, as Freud would say, we haven't resolved those issues in an authentic way. But once we do, you'll notice that you'll start selecting or being selected by different people. Our personas, once put aside, will have helped us hone hone in on the parts of our character that we are most comfortable with, that we can live with, that we can find satisfaction in. Meaning that we accept the good and the bad about ourselves and about others. We are blessed. We all have problems. But be happy that those are your problems because there are other problems that are even more extreme than the ones we have. So there will come a point in your time when you are grateful to have the kinds of problems you have, even if it's things like cancer or the abuse you suffered as a child or are suffering now. I'm constantly shocked at what I read in the paper. I follow a lot of news around child abuse because of my past. And it's, it's the aberrant behavior is abhorring and it has no bottom. When we start making these changes, we agree to start walking uphill. Because remember, if you only go downhill, you will never see new horizons. You'll be stuck at the base of the mountain. It's at the peak of the mountain that you see different parts of the world that you weren't able to see before. And see, when you're able to do that, in my opinion, that is privilege because not everyone gets to do that in their life because they don't escape and they get stuck in projecting these personas, these false images. But let's face it, when I talked about only seeing the flaws in others, we need to remember that we are all walking in a ground that is soaked in blood and atrocities, and betrayals, and faults, and you name it, and suffering. And sometimes that harm is from within as much as it is from without. When we live through this false sense of self, I do believe that the root cause of that, the root problem, is because we do think the grass is greener on the other side. But I'm here to tell you, if you haven't figured it out yet, there is dog shit on both sides of the fence. And when we have so much crap to sort through, to wade through, to walk through, to pick up, to put in the garbage bag, sometimes the best way to start is at the smallest point. Remember, we need to build momentum, energy, confidence, esteem. When we start walking uphill, we take the uphill battle instead of the downhill escape through addiction, through other types of aberrant behavior, denial. When we start walking uphill, I want you to know that path is actually easier because you do get to the peak of that mountain instead of at the bottom of the valley where you can see no hope. And it's at the top of that mountain that you see the possibility of ever expanding possibility. We don't get away with anything, not even once. We cannot escape the judgment of our own conscience. When we're dishonest, we're fighting our basic core human goodness. 
we're warping the mechanism by which we are trying to engage in the world with to have meaningful experiences. We're bastardizing that. And so you can't even have meaningful experiences in the world around you if we're lying to ourselves and lying to others. It distorts everything. It misaligns everything. If your basic formula, two plus two, is wrong, no matter how advanced you get in math, your math problems and solutions will come out wrong. Two plus two does not equal five, but if, if that's the formula you're using to engage in the world, think about what that does to everything. And a part of the problem is that we don't realize that there are unforeseen consequences for doing that. That's why we're always shocked when we think we understand the price we were gonna pay, only to find out that it was so much greater than what we expected. You don't want to manipulate yourself and the consequences through deception. We are powerful people. We are powerful figures in our own lives. And you don't want to distress your own destiny by living falsely to yourself and to others. Now, what's going to happen if you start to make some of these changes? Well, before we can get there, I think a part of those tiny changes are going to lead to a very big point in your journey, like a fork in the road, when you have to decide to go deeper. How deep am I willing to go? How am I going to get there? How am I going to do it? Am I willing? But I'll be honest with you. We've got to look at those thoughts that have gone unexamined, those feelings, those experiences, that trauma, all of that stuff that has gone unexamined. At some point, after we get done wading through the micro changes that we have to make, we're going to get to that point where we have to take a deep look at ourselves and examine those thoughts that we have abandoned or neglected all these years. In many ways, you have to put yourself out there and even though you don't know what's going to happen, you have to be willing to see what happens. You have to be willing to see what happens, to take that risk. You may not know what's happening here. I can't guarantee the outcome when you try to make this change, but we can pretty much guarantee you the outcome if you don't. Something else that I think goes along with this is a lot of times we feel like we've maxed out in life. I know somebody who is a professional who is try to put on this persona out there. And I've watched him stall out in his profession. And it's only because he stalled out in his personal growth. And to me, that is, that is what happens to most of us. Remember, ego, arrogance, unwilling to make even the smallest of changes. That means you have stunted your personal growth. You're, you, you're gonna hit a lid. You're gonna hit a, you know, the top of the trash can that you've been living in and you won't be able to lift it until you become willing to wade through the small shit to get to the critical stuff. Now, like most people in the world right now, we're also getting a lot of our values through social media instead of each other. We compare ourselves to what those nasty algorithms point at you. But remember, those algorithms were programmed by your activity, by your interests. Remember, if you're trying to distract yourself from reality, you've been getting a lot of distracting algorithm energy pointed at you. And because we're getting that education about who we are and who we should be and how we should get there and what the world should look like and what we should look like, we're getting our values from that digital printout that we've helped program with our bias about ourselves and the world, our own bias. We're not even talking about the corporate bias, just our own bias. We're taking ourselves further and further down a rabbit hole away from our, our authentic self. Now remember, 
if you go downhill, there's no triumph. If that's the path you choose to take, there's no victory. The victory comes at the summit when you hit the top of the mountain. And hitting the top of that mountain, when we take on that monumental change and we have some success there, I think two things happen. We become incredibly sad because that awareness that has been introduced to us that we were blind to all this time is deeply moving. There's a lot of remorse, a lot of regret in there, guilt and shame, but also relief. And that relief is very profound. And because we're so sad, because of our new insights and the magnitude and the depth of that relief, which is so genuine, that experience surpasses any kind of happiness we think we've been pursuing all this time or have achieved. Because we overcame deep despair, which is almost impossible to handle. But on the other side of that, only through that uphill battle that started with that first tiny step in that direction, is there victory for us? Carl Jung said, we don't find God because we don't look low enough. Take a look at yourself. Take a few minutes to ask yourself, where are you at? Where would you like to be? And then make a plan on how to get there. Start as big as you want, but I'm also recommending that start small. Make some small changes in our life. Release the ego. Embrace the idea that you could put your persona to rest. It's done its job. It's gotten you this far. But now it's time to come into your own. I'm Sammy Rangel, the Life Technician, and I'm here to stay. You've been listening to the Life Technician Podcast with Sammy Rangel. Be sure to follow him at SammyRangel.com, where you can leave him a review. If you think this podcast can help change somebody's life, please share. 